the study also showed that 38% of workers that have applied for high cost credit have done so knowing they're going to struggle with the repayments. Now as soon as you start struggling with the repayments, the costs just go astronomical and you start paying compound interest, interest on interest on interest and that's where these cycles happen. On today's show, we're talking to James Herbert, the CEO and founder of Hasty, and having a look at how people can use innovative financial solutions to improve their cash flow. My name's David Savage, and this is Tech Talks, the twice weekly technology podcast, interviewing technology leaders. So whether you're interested to find out what your peers are up to, or you're simply interested in the technology community, this is the podcast for you. Joining me on today's show, a welcome return to Evie Oros. Hi, how hey. are you? Yeah, good. Have you recovered from Friday? Just about. You, Just you did bite night. Your did. first bite night. I did. It was good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was. It was better than I thought it was going to be because the rain held off. You, so. Was the rain your big concern? <laughs> it was. I just, the thought of being soaked outside terrified me, really. <laughs> In previous years, they've given out umbrellas, but there were no umbrellas being given out. So I hadn't ta- I hadn't brought an umbrella at all. So if, if it had rained, I would have been utterly stuffed. Yeah, I just had all those little pop-up ones. Loads of people brought the proper big golf umbrellas. But if, if it rained, mine would have just, like broken in an oh, instant. <laughs> rain, rain contingency would have been coffee for the entire night till five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I think so. I was pretty tired on Saturday. I was literally kind of, you know when, you, when you're when you on the, the edge of falling asleep and you start kind of twitching involuntarily? <laughs> yeah. I was walking around Richmond doing that, like oh, no. walking and twitching slightly, like I, I need to go home and oh, lie down. God. Yeah, I missed my train as well, so I sat at the station Ooh. for half an hour on Saturday before morning. I could get home on Saturday morning. Oh, that must have been horrible. It was awful, and it was really cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. it's not... A, it's an interesting event in that you're going out and sleeping outside in support of people who are homeless. I don't necessarily think it's exactly the homeless experience, but <laughs> it's um, it's not particularly pleasant when you wake up. No, no, it's not a nice feeling. And either way, you know, it's raising awareness and money for a really good cause. Yeah. So. If it gives you a, a tiny glimpse into what it might be like, it makes you realise any money going towards helping vulnerable young people is a good thing. Yeah, and this was one night, so it's not like we have to do this for weeks, months. Oh no, you, long, that, so. that's part of it, do you not know? <laughs> next next weekend, it's two nights in uh, a row. I did not opt into that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you have an opportunity, I'll include uh, our team donation page in, in the show notes. So it is a good cause. If you can spare five or ten pounds, that'd be amazing. Um, I th- I'm trying to think of a link into this. Actually, I do have a link into this that works mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who don't really have any savings and cash flow is a real struggle for them. And what is it? You're only supposedly one or two paychecks away from being homeless, like the vast majority of the population. Oh God. There's a shocking there's a shocking stat that because so many people don't have savings that you can very quickly find yourself out of house and home. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me to be honest because if you think about um, if you're living like paycheck to paycheck you miss one can't afford your rent and yeah. that's, that's that's it right yeah exactly so managing cash flow in innovative ways very important mm-hmm. leading us nicely into today's <laughs> interview today we're talking to james your founder and ceo of hasty i have indeed yeah how long has hasty been around and what is it okay so <clears throat> hasty pay is a we're revolutionising the way people get paid. So we're an employee benefit that enables the workforce employees to access their earned pay instantly. Yeah. Um, so cash flow freedom for for people basically. Um, 
how long we've been around. I guess the idea has been a number of years in the making, um, sort of, I guess, from my experience of my, my first business, which I can tell a little bit more about that in a minute, um, of where, where the idea came from. But yeah, we, we started building the tech a bit over two years ago. We launched our MVP uh, just over two years ago in um, August, it was the 10th of August, 2017. Unlike a lot of fintechs, we're actually revenue generative on the 11th of August, 2017, which Amazing. is quite exciting. Uh, and then we did our full launch in October, 2018, and we've been growing properly since then. Now, this idea of uh, access to the funds as you earn them, you do have one or two competitors in the space. How is Hasty Pay different uh, in terms of what it offers product-wise? Yeah, so from a from an industry point of view, there are, there are a handful of us globally that are trying to address this problem hmm. uh, or yeah, providing a solution to, to work the workforce's cash flow problem. Uh, everyone's got slightly different models on. The two biggest are in the US. Yep. Um, they've got different models. One, in fact, perhaps not done uh, as well as, as the other. Well, it's grown very well, but it recently got subpoenaed in the US and the New York in general. <laughs> um, okay. But they're not going by an employer. Um, the other one has clients like Walmart, so a company called uh, PayActive. Uh, that model is probably slightly more similar to the ones ourselves and, and the other couple of UK guys that are out there. It's interesting that the US is where it's kind of taken off because the US has a shorter pay cycle, right? I mean, as I understand it, there's definitely relevance to the UK market for the fact that most employers make you wait a month to access money as you're earning it. Yeah, I mean, in the UK, you've got roughly 85% of the UK workforce paid on a monthly basis. Mm. Um, we've done a number of different studies and reviews and what have you um, uh, and one of them that came out in our Christmas one update that we did uh, found that actually if you're paid on a monthly basis you're twice as likely to rely on high cost credit as if you're paid on a weekly basis and if you think about the demographic of people that are paid weekly tend to be those on lower incomes it just shows you how the frequency of pay uh, can have a massive impact on your your ability to, to fund yourself to have the cash flow and then to have to rely on other sources um, so, the US, yes, it's uh, it's biweekly, so you know every two weeks. However, we're seeing even with weekly paid employees that they're using it regularly. Um, it's still in arrears, and people have very limited savings. And, and there's a huge swathe of society that um, re you know are relying on other forms. I think it's around 19 million people are currently in their overdrafts in the UK. Now you you've released a well-being in the workplace study. Yes. I have heard companies in the past say things along the lines of, we can't give this person an advance, they just need to manage their money better. But that would seem to be quite a, uh, quite a mean approach, especially if you have a workforce and in a talent short market where actually not being sensitive to that workforce needs might put you in a tricky spot from a talent perspective. Absolutely, there's a, there's a big, push from employers generally they don't like to do advances i think there's a couple of reasons why people don't want to, want to do that one is there's a huge amount of administration if you're doing mm. them on a one-off basis it's just a pain it takes up time and resource and it's difficult and companies will do it but generally very rarely uh, and they would not encourage it to it. but partly because of that people are very uncomfortable asking their employer for yeah. an advance as well there's a stigma around it um but what is coming to the fore now is just the impact that financial stress is having on people's well-being and ultimately their productivity in the workplace. So the company, proactive companies now are starting to, to see that and are realizing that actually you know, the financial element uh, to well-being is huge. And if they're going to focus on employee well-being, this needs to be part of it. Um, and by improving employees' well-being, 
uh, that can improve the productivity and ultimately that of their the company as well. So you know, by helping their staff be financially fit, they'll make the company more profitable. Now, we're talking there saying that there's a lot of stress on people. There's uh, uh, some difficulties certainly with people who are paid on a monthly basis, but you're, that, that study had some stats around it that yeah. also really kind of brought that to life, right? Yeah, so I mean, they've gone up as well. You've got 82% of the UK workforce are using some form of credit every month. Which is a staggeringly high amount, but then we're taught to use credit to build upon credit ratings. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's not all bad. Yeah. So, you know, using um, credit cards, for example, and paying off direct debit at the point of the month before you're actually paying interest, et cetera, et cetera, that, that's not a bad thing. There are ways of using credit, and of course, you know, a mortgage. Mm. Well, that's not bracketed in that form of credit, but, you know, a mortgage is a right way to buy a house for yeah. most people. So credit itself isn't bad. And that's part of what you know, we're here to do is actually not only are we providing access to people's funds, their income early um, to provide cash flow freedom, but we're also providing financial education. So a big part of what we do actually embedded in the app um, through email series, through the website, etc., is we're providing education series for companies to help upskill, financially upskill their workforce as well to, mm. to let them know more about that. Because credit itself isn't all bad. Companies use it, as we, as we mentioned, all the time. And used correctly, it, it can be a good product. Um, but mismanaging that and putting financial pressure on yourself is, is not good. You know, the, the stats were quite frightening. You saw a roughly 30% increase in our latest study from the year before of people that are experiencing problems as a result of overdrafts, payday loans, and credit cards. You know, the problem is actually how people are using it, they're being forced into using it. Um, in in the, the study also showed that 38% of workers that have applied high cost credit have done so knowing they're going to struggle with the repayments now as soon as you start struggling with the repayments the costs just go astronomical and you start paying compound interest interest on interest on interest and that's where these cycles happen hmm. and what we're doing here is we're giving people access to their own pay it's not debt it's actually access to their own pay income smoothing um, so that then gives them the ability to better budget and manage their funds on an ongoing basis to balance the outgoings of their incomings and totally avoid uh, debt at all or use different types of debt mm. that are appropriate for them. Um, and in doing so, uh, never get themselves into any of those debt spirals because there's no way they can't not repay it because you're only being given a portion of your earnings uh, as you earn it. So how does it work? Are there some checks and balances that are set by the employer, by the individual, by, by the organisation? How much does it is it going to cost either the company to put it into place or the individual to draw down on funds? And, you know, yeah. what, what's the kind of the mechanics? Yeah, absolutely. So the model is we'll let people have up to 50% of their own pay. Hmm. Now, we basically suck the data out of the employer uh, system to know what's being earned. Now, obviously, if you are Monday working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, uh, on Monday, not today's Friday, um, you, you know, at 5 o'clock, you'll have earned one two hundred and sixty through your basic pay. But we also got much more sophisticated stuff as well, be it through things as complicated as geolocation, date stamp, timestamp, check-in and check-out for shift workers. So we know, are you in the right place at the right time to complete that work? Hmm. You know, it could be uh, through, if you take the hospitality industry, a lot of people are checking in and checking out of the tills at the restaurant or bar they're working in. Uh, and when they finish that shift, they've earned that money. So we basically suck out the data from the employer to know that that individual is employed by that person, that they are working, they are earning money. Just to jump in, that must be some incredibly powerful data potentially in terms of making sense of how uh, how efficient a workforce is as well in terms of an employer for those shift-based employees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
there's a lot of data, but also there's some really powerful stuff that we're seeing yeah. as a result of offering Hasty Pay. So the the way that it, it, it is working, we've got people on shift workforce is doing up to twenty percent more work than they did prior to having Hasty because they can see their earnings. Yeah, well, if you think we're we're kind of hunter, we're still hunter gatherers, and it's going to take millennia yeah. for us to not be hunter gatherers. It's probably never going to happen. And the idea of hunting or gathering on day one and not eating to day thirty is alien because you'd have starved by that point. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the concept of actually, you know, effectively hunting, eating, going to work on day one and getting paid day one appeals to our very core and that's driving really really positive behaviors so our clients that are offering this are seeing reduced absenteeism they're seeing uh you know people signing up to more work more productive workforces so that's all driving positive behaviors so the people that are using it are able to reduce their financial stress and increase their productivity by having access to the funds but they're also in many cases actually going out and earning more as a result which is quite interesting and exciting let's loop this background to the beginning of the conversation Yes. You mentioned your previous startup. What, where, where was the catalyst for this? Why, why are you building Hasty Pay? Uh, I guess the idea came from my experience at pre- my previous business. So while at university, I found a business called BrightSparks. Uh, it's a staffing business employing mainly students to work within events and hospitality. Uh, I wish I'd had that kind of foresight at university. <laughs> I was not being so productive with my time. Anyway. <laughs> well, it was just that, yeah, I suppose I've always been a bit difficult in trying to challenge the way, uh, way things are done. My parents, I'm sure, will tell you that. Um, but the idea really was I created the job I wish I'd had. At uni, yeah. and, you know, I'd work within you know, bars and hospitality. And it was a great job for a student. So, yeah. um, but that's, obviously, that's now grown considerably. I'm, I'm, you know, I've non-exec chairman of that now I've taken a massive step back when I got tasty pay and let them run it but that's employed about 20,000 people now right. so a good decent sort of you know data set yeah <laughs> in the tech terms to actually understand they use tasty pay yes they do they that would be a bit bizarre that's where it came but yeah so the the idea really came from that but let's take an example of Royal Ascot sure you know big race beginning of the summer race meeting and there might be 200 staff working there for, for that business um you know, those students have finished their exams and been partying, probably enjoying it. It's time to go and earn money for summer holidays for the next year, academic studies, etc., etc. You know, they turn up training on on the uh, on the Monday and then work Tuesday and Saturday. And let's keep figures around, nice round sums. Let's say they earn hundred pounds a day. Okay, fantastic. Um, problem is, by the time you get into the, the Friday and the Saturday, a number of those workforce are phoning up saying, "I'd love to work, but I haven't got enough money to get there." So they're in what I call the cash trap, that if they had £20 to pay for two more days of train fare, they could earn 200 So it's obviously a massive negative for them because they want to work and they want to earn money, but they simply can't get there to do it. And we'll go into the stats of the wider workforce later on that. Um, it's obviously a negative for the company as well. So the company's got to have reserves in there. They lose that consistency of staff and the efficiency. You know, by having to have people held back to cover those spaces, not just for people being ill and sick, but actually that want to work but can't get there, they've got an underutilization of their resource. If they could get half of those people there making 12.5% more profit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's difficult enough to, at the scale of that, it's difficult enough for them to... You know, manage the business as it is. You know, the payroll, someone like Royal Ascot, four and a half thousand event staff, variable staff working over the week, just getting the timesheets in back to pay them two weeks later is difficult enough. So you can't really do it. And then that business has to use finance itself because Ascot, you know, being a big business, don't pay until like 90 days end of month, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, the irony of those people that can't get there is they've earned money Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They can't access that until two weeks later. 
But if they could use those funds immediately, they could solve that problem. Yeah. So how do we solve that problem? And that was kind of, you know, sums up a little bit of, of where the idea came from. We wanted to give them access to that pay straight away. And the more I looked at this, I thought, well, we can't do it at that scale. Well, is there a bigger problem? Can you do factoring for people? You know, it's a business product that mm-hmm. we use and is very common within the staffing and recruitment industries. You know, why, why can't people do similar? Why can't they access their own funds at that point? So we looked at that, came up with a solution. At the time we were, I was doing the research, one in 10 people in the UK were using payday loans. Um, in the US, 2015, banks made 35 billion pounds, sorry, dollars rather, uh, out of overdraft fees. I mean, there is a massive problem with people not having the cash to, to live. Yeah. Um, 39% of the workforce on recent study have admitted to not being able to get to work as a result of not having the funds to do so. Yeah, yeah. That might be not paying for your travel card or your rail fare or you get a burst tire and you can't fix it. And actually, if you're looking at shift workers, by the time they actually wait, get their paycheck, they might have lost their job because they can't work until then. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's frightening. There's a big problem. So looked at that, huge problem. How do you fix it? It fixes its scale. Effectively, we need to suck out the data of what work people have done and we give them access to their pay instantly. And the technology facilitates that. And then at scale, we obviously also have the, the funding to actively effectively we actually loan it to the organization to facilitate them to do it so it's never the workers ain't ever receiving their pay immediately it's income smoothing we lend when we're lending we're lending to the business to facilitate that so it's the business's responsibility to pay us back which also means the benefit that the customer effectively is getting business rates we talked a little bit about um, ascot there just very quickly, are there some other scenarios where people are using it that it's making a positive impact? Absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting. You've got some people, uh, actually one of our own graduates here, we offer it free of charge. We pay for it for our staff, obviously, something we strongly believe in. Um, but they're using it to budget and save. So by allowing themselves access, they reduce their, their access from below 50 to, to 25%. And they're living on 25% of their gross pay on a daily basis over the course of the month. And they've changed the, the account in which the, their balance of their pay is received to. Um, and they're now saving to pay off their student loan and save for a house deposit. So it's encouraging that budgeting and linking that effort to the reward, so to speak, is, is encouraging really positive behaviours. It's things like Mind Charity and the Money Charity and, mm. and Advice Service encourage you to do from a budget point of view. Uh, and that's really powerful. We have all those budgeting app parts within the app. Then you've got others. We had a really nice bit of feedback from a member of staff. We rolled out with a company towards the end of January this year uh, and they withdraw all of their funds they could just before the end of January to buy the flights to Australia to benefit from the 30, 40% discount and the BA sale. Right. So, you know, again, the value of time of money was really effective. So someone using it in what I call the luxury user. And the usage is really positive. I mean, we're seeing the highest usage of of it is during the week. Um, It's around people start using it as part of their daily routine from about seven in the morning. You start seeing it pick up. People are using it, withdraw their funds from the day before to, to go to work, for example. Um, the highest usage is for things like groceries, travel, unexpected bills, all the stuff that you expect people yeah. to use. And we're seeing very, very positive use cases out of it. Uh, and the companies are going, this is great. Um, people trust their employer. And the main reason they do is because they get paid when they say they're going to pay them. They might not all like their employer, but there's an element of trust there. And that trust is really being enhanced when the company says to the workforce, hey, look, we know you might be having financial difficulties or we know there's financial stress or you know what, 
even if you're not, you might appreciate this, that we trust you, that you're working for us, and we're going to give you this benefit, and that's actually enhancing that, and it's improving engagement, and they're liking it. And however they use it, like I say, different people are finding you know, a wide range of different usage, but it's, all of it is getting this fantastic positive feedback from both the, the worker and from the employer. But it's going to be interesting to see how it uses, and, and we've got a, fanta- you know, a really exciting tech roadmap of how the product and service yeah. is going to evolve. Uh, and I think we're going to see it used in a number of different ways mm. as, as, as that grows. Because interestingly enough, stats show that the most financially stressed people are London employees earning between fifty and hundred fifty thousand pounds a year. I don't think anyone's going to shed any tears for us. So. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But um, again, you know, no. it's going to be really interesting to see this sort of outside of the, yeah, the yeah, business yeah, case. Yeah. There's this fantastic sort of social human behaviour case of how does this evolve and what does this mean and how people are going to use mm. it. And you know, like I say, we've got pretty huge ambitions, and we think at, at scale we can have a pretty positive impact on on the productivity of the economy. I think that's a a good positive, ambitious note to end on. But look, I. Really appreciate your time and taking some time out to, to explain what Hasty Pay are doing. It's good to see a, a fintech product that's got a good kind of responsible tech angle to it too. So fingers crossed it continues to, to grow and go well. Thank you very much. Right, I like this because there's a hell of a lot of fintech solutions out there, but most of the fintech solutions are innovations that riff on banking effectively, whereas this is a bit different. There aren't there are there are some competitors to Hasty, but there aren't many that are offering a wholly different form of financial control. Um, I mean, if you think about Monzo, mm. it's effectively a, a digital bank. Yeah. Um, and I think they've introduced a feature that allows you to get paid a day early, but it's not something like this that allows you to draw down on money earned as soon as you've earned it. Yeah, so I mean, what Monzo is like saving pots and things, but this is yeah. actually if you can access your money early, I think, I think that's amazing because it's like they said, you've earned, you've earned it, you've already worked it, so you should be able to access it. How shocked were you by some of the stats that you, you rolled out? Um, I was, I was really shocked actually, especially the ones to do with how many, how much credit people have. Yeah, I was shocked about how many people had it. Well, eighty-two percent of the UK workforce. Yeah, I like that it points out though, because it, it could be very easy to kind of go, oh, credit's bad. But he does point out that it's not that credit is bad, but we need to financially upskill people to, because the the, the, the the mismanagement of credit is the real problem. Yeah, it's like getting sucked into that hole of paying so many like interest fees and getting mm. overdrafts and things. That's the issue. Whereas yeah. It's like, like you said, with the getting improving your credit score and things, that's fine. But if you're solely relying on your credit card, that's when it yeah. becomes an issue. I think it's that's the, the, the truly shocking stat in there. And actually, earlier on in my career, I can relate to this where you're kind of going, Christ, I need a bit of money. What should I do? Um, that's 38% applying, knowing that they will struggle to repay mm. short-term loans. Yeah. But you need it. Yeah. And you kind of go, put your head in the sand and human nature going, I'll be able to deal with that later. And it's so dangerous. Mm. You know, I, I think there's a stat that most people have less than £100 in saving or £1,000. It's not, there's like le- not a lot of money. And it's the kind of thing that one unexpected bill can really make life difficult. Yeah. And you can see how the likes of Wonga and so on preyed on unstable financial situations and circumstances of, of people, especially if you're in 
mean, Christ, I've always been in a in a in a fairly stable job, but if you were in something that was zero hour contract or something like that, it would be horrific potentially. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, just the thought of, for instance, like when I had like a bad MOT on my car, and yeah. all of a sudden that was like hundreds of pounds that I didn't, I wasn't prepared for and didn't have savings. What kind of car for. is it? Uh, it's an old B class. Maybe you should have been prepared for this. Maybe. Yeah. I call it anyway, the Mummobile. But the what? <laughs> the Mummobile. The Mummobile. It's a proper mum car. <laughs> cool. If you saw a photo of it, you'd <laughs> it's quite bad. I did, um, we should, should post that on the Twitter feed. I'll get I'll get a photo from you later. The Mummobile, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a uh, right, okay, cool. Anyway, how much did it cost you on unexpected MOT? Uh, £700. Pounds. It was £700 for an unexpected MOT? Yeah. And I was just lucky that they, they let me pay half and then come back the next month and pay half because I was like a regular at the garage. If I had to pay all that all at once, I would have had no money left for the month. Again, the fact that you're a regular at the garage says a lot about the mobile. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Um, 39% of staff admitting that, they, admitting that they can't afford to get to work. Yeah. That's, I, that's again a huge number. That's way more than I expected it would be. Yeah. And... I guess it does, it, but it makes sense though. Like I said, if it's paycheck to paycheck. No, I mean, it, it does make sense. It, it totally makes sense, especially when you take into account London. The average commute in London is an hour. Mm. So it's not like you can walk to work. No. Or, or even cycle a lot of the time. It's just no, too far. You have to get on public transport, and public transport is expensive. And if you don't have a minimum of £5 on your card, mm. and the picture that... Um, James paints through the lights of Bright Spot suggests that there's a lot of people in, in fluid and flexible work, especially early on in their career, where if they just had twenty pounds, you know, as he said, if they had twenty pounds, they'd be able to earn two hundred. And it's it's senseless for the businesses not to employ a solution like this. Yeah, and then they end up losing their jobs, like he said, because yeah. you miss a couple shifts and and that's it. You can't go back. And the immediate assumption is still that that person can't manage their finances, not that they're not being helped to manage their finances. Yeah. And things are so expensive. Sometimes your paycheck will just about cover your costs of living. Yeah. And what else are you meant to do? If you're not earning enough money, you can't just take the money out of nowhere. That's credit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you get into trouble. So. Would you use it? Use? The solution. Because I, I think I yeah. would. I definitely. I think that would be great. And I do think it would help with savings and things, especially with like shopping habits. Yeah. Because I feel like if I got weekly money... Are you I James's wouldn't. luxury user? Are you oh. the person that's going to use it to pay for the holiday and take advantage of a deal? <laughs> You're going to take advantage <laughs> of a sale in a shop? No, I can't. But yeah, I think it would help me spend less on things like that as well. Yeah. Because you can see it's like, oh, this money's got to last me a whole week instead of getting a whole bunch at the end Yeah. and ending up with nothing towards it the end. It is nuts that we get paid on a monthly basis. Yeah. Like, we all accept it. But if you think about it, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, I didn't realise that it was only like every two weeks in the US as well. Yeah. I didn't realise. Yeah. I'd much rather that, I think. Well, it would help people, I think. Yeah. Um, look, it's, it's a fascinating product. I think there's huge upsides. And I think financial management and financial upskilling is so important. Um, I, I think, you know, we, we live in a pretty complex world. Jobs are far more fluid. Finances are far more um, complex, I think, than they maybe were. 30, 40 years ago. So it's kind of a, a solution that's fit for the times, right? Yeah, I agree. James, thank you for coming onto the show. We're going to go for a quick break, but when we come back, we've got a piece of technology news. 
Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, right, piece of technology news for this Tuesday show. Um, Amazon launches Kindle e-reader aimed at children. Oh. Right, yeah. Okay. I, I read this headline and I was like, this could be good or bad. Yeah. Children more screen time, but equally more reading. Um, so it's <laughs> a new six-inch Kindle Kids Edition that comes preloaded with thousand books, word building tools, and parental controls. Amazon has launched a new version of its popular Kindle e-reader aimed at children, which comes bundled with more than a thousand age-appropriate books. Um, the new 99 Kindle Kids Edition is a special variant of Amazon's latest, cheapest, front-lit six-inch Kindle with software designed to encourage reading through gamification and word building. Initial thoughts on this? I think that's quite good, you know. I think it's going to make reading more fun for kids, and especially, I assume, a lot of kids. I know when I was a kid I didn't necessarily enjoy reading all the time. But if you make it, I think something even like an iPad as well, and they'll see it more as a game. Yeah. It will engage them a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for getting kids reading, because we know that that has benefits. And I don't think there are many homes now where children can walk into a room and pick something off the shelf. Mm. I'm pretty lucky that I grew up in a household where my mum and dad collect books like nuts. So when I was bored and lonely on holiday, because we went on holiday to the middle of rural France and there was literally no one, I just used to read stuff. (laughs) You had no other choice. (laughs) Yeah. But if there hadn't been those books, it would have been rubbish. Mm. But it must be easy. So I don't know, peace of mind maybe for parents to be able to know that there's this device with a thousand books that that child could immerse themselves in. And actually, I loved reading. Like I'd spend... 10 hours a day reading when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I, I read like several of the Harry Potters in a day. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive. Like, just sit there, beginning yeah. of the book to the end. Like, Philip Pullman, His Dark Materials, all of that stuff. Yeah, would I race through them. Yeah, Absolutely raced through them when I was a teenager. Um, but I can also see how it's wonderfully clever for Amazon in that they're, they're introducing their products and their brands to a younger and younger audience. Mm. And we're always talking about the fact that we can't allow there to be a complete monopolization of big tech. And there's something about physical books that I've never been quite on board with that Kindle replaces. Yeah, to be fair, I had a Kindle for a while and I just pref- I prefer reading an actual book. Yeah. There's, I don't know, there's something about holding a book in your hands and being able to flip through the pages. I don't know, I just don't like reading off a screen. <laughs> I also, like, I, no one, the other thing that kind of bugs me a bit is no one has ever fixed the shopping browsing experience for me on something like a like a digital store. I love going to a bookshop like Foils or Waterstones mm. and just standing in front of bookshelves for a very long time, not doing a lot. Yeah, and like, it's like speaking to people in a bookshop as well. Whenever I go into a bookshop now, I like to ask the people who work there. It's like, oh, what would you recommend? Like, do you? Yeah, I like doing oh, I that. I do that. I, I just read the backs of a lot of books, and I'm quite happily there for like 45 minutes to an hour. Like, yeah. I lose time and just kind of generally in the science fiction <laughs> section. Yeah, it's quite. It's nerd. nice though. It is nice. You can't really do that online. No, but I feel like you can. It's 
not necessarily tricking mm. kids, but using that as a screen time instead. Like loads of kids have set screen time, right? Mm. So using that instead of an iPad where you just sit and play games and watch YouTube videos, be like, oh, your screen time can be this, do something that's going to help you learn. Yeah. So I think it can be good in those ways. Yeah, and I, I think the fact that it does have those parental controls, that's incredibly important. Mm. Um, there is that recognition, isn't there, from the Valley now that even they, even the, the leaders of these huge organisations wouldn't necessarily let their kids loose on their own platforms unchecked. So yeah. um, it's good that there is that control being built in and given. Um, yeah. Even with parents as well, less pressure to choose the books right. for kids themselves. If they're all there in the first place, the kid has a choice yeah. over what they want to read and have like a, a set list to scroll over, which yeah takes a bit of pressure off as well, I think. So we're largely positive but don't give up on your local bookshop. No. Maybe if this is a, an entry point for someone to love reading and then go and discover books in a yeah. more traditional way, that's a good thing. That would be perfect, I think. <laughs> a lovely message to finish on. Look, Evie, thanks for dropping in, joining the show today. And we'll be back on Friday when we're going to have another show about fintech.